welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the one and thankfully the only Jerry Springer. It's <laughs> one way to be exclusive, yes. <laughs> It's good hey, to Jer. be back, guys. How you all doing? Everyone getting through this? No new cases among family members or anything with COVID? No, or we're just like hunkering down and good. just hoping it just goes away, man. Tired of it. Yeah, everyone is. Everyone yep. is. Yeah. What you got, hey, Gene? I can we've see got, it. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, Tim Easton. I don't have COVID. We do have Tim Easton <laughs> from Nashville, Tennessee. And, hey, Tim. Uh, hey, Tim. Hey, and Tim has been with us uh, several times in the past. We, we love yeah. his music. Uh, he's very uh, accomplished uh, folk singer. He's been at this, uh, not not old, but he's been at it for a few years, which means he's gotten damn good at it and figured it all out, including, and we were chatting about this in a other episode. We had him on last week and we asked him if he would come back. He agreed to. And, uh, but he is one, and uh, hopefully many others have figured out uh, performers how to make it through COVID. Because yeah. remember, my have uh, a daughter who is in the entertainment business in Orlando, Florida. My son-in-law also, he's a stuntman for Disney. My daughter works for a production company that does a lot of work with Disney and Universal, et cetera. And all of those people, you know, and cruise ship people, they just got crushed by this. And everybody's yeah. kind of coming back now. My, my daughter's back full time. My son-in-law is back. He's in the Indiana Jones show. And uh, luckily, that's, that's all great. coming back. Yeah. And luckily, nobody's so far has gotten COVID, although we know plenty of people who've gotten it, including our own Jerry Springer, a mild case. Why? Because he was vaccinated. He vaccinated. So haven't been vaxxed. By God, get it. Get a booster. Yep. Um, I got a lolly get, with it, too. There did you get, get your booster yet, like, Gene? Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. did. Have you, Jerry? Yeah, you yeah. got your booster yes. already? Yep. Good. Yeah, but I mean, I, we're pretty much. Healthy, man. <laughs> well, we're pretty much on, the, uh, my wife and I are pretty much on the money of six months out, which was a recommendation. It was very easy to get. Got it at our, our local pharmacy. So, again, we urge people. Uh, make yeah. sure you keep your discipline up on that. Uh, and we're going to swing back and talk to Tim a little bit more and hear another song from him. Uh, Jerry, uh, yes. each week we ask you to give us an analysis of something that caught your interest in uh, current events. What what did you spot this week? Well, uh, I've been struck by two separate decisions the Supreme Court handed down within the past month. The first was blatantly ridiculous the one where the court blocked the Biden administration's mandate that companies of over 100 employees must require their workers to get the COVID vaccine or in the alternative, be tested before entering the workplace. The reasoning of the court in striking down this rule was that yes, COVID is a serious health risk. I guess over half a million deaths convinced the court of that. But that OSHA, the federal agency that issued the mandate, had overstepped its authority. How? Well, according to the court's majority, since workers could contract the virus any place, the agency doesn't have the right to mandate health and safety measures 
that would affect their health and safety in these other places. Wow, really? So by that reasoning, OSHA then couldn't pass any regulations regarding fire safety in the workplace because people could be injured or killed by fires in other locations as well. This stupidity is astounding. So it seems the only rationale, rational explanation for their absurd ruling is that this court is totally partisan and will rule against anything the Biden administration does. Well, yes, the court is partisan. But then two weeks later, this same court ruled against Trump, eight to one, finding that his documents relating to the January 6th insurrection are not protected by executive privilege. And the select congressional committee is therefore entitled to see all of these documents. Does that mean the court is suddenly not partisan? Well, yes and no. Let me explain. Yes, the court is partisan, but not in ways we might expect. You see, the justices are all lawyers. That's been their training. And lawyers are taught from day one that as officers of the court, they are required to represent the interests of their client first and exclusively. And after figuring out what is that interest, they are then to determine the best way to obtain the desired result within the law. In other words, if you're a lawyer, figure out the result you want and then somehow work it within the guardrails of statutory, judicial, and constitutional law. That becomes part of any lawyer's DNA. And it's pretty hard to lose that instinct when you suddenly become a judge or even one day a justice. I know Chief Justice John Roberts famously said during his confirmation hearings that the job of the court is not to pitch or bat, but to simply call balls and strikes. Well, the concept sounds wonderful and in a perfect world would be adhered to, but in the real world, inevitably their biases slip through. So if the courts are unavoidably partisan or biased, then how come this obviously conservative court cut Trump off at the knees? Because historically, the partisanship is not necessarily to the party or president who appointed them. For example, in Roe back in 1973, conservatives have long been saying that the Supreme Court back then, the Warren Court, was highly partisan. And yes, it was but not to the presidents who appointed them. In fact, five of the seven justices who affirmed a woman's right to privacy and choice were appointed by Republican presidents, Nixon and Eisenhower. So the justices obviously weren't partisan to them. No, they were partisan to the Constitution, to the Bill of Rights, virtually every one of which guarantees one's right to privacy. That was the client of the Supreme Court. That was their bias that shaped their decision, their bias toward the Constitution, not to the president. Now, the complaint with today's Supreme Court is not that the justices are partisan. Of course, all justices are. But this majority is not biased toward the Constitution, but rather to special interests, big business, the wealthy, 
and the concept of white male supremacy as evidenced in their various rulings, the vaccine mandate case, Citizens United in favor of corporations, voting rights cases against minorities, and obviously the current cases involving abortion rights. The frightening thing here is that our democracy is being weakened, indeed threatened, not just by criminals at the highest levels who break the law, but by politicians and institutions who make the law. With apologies to Chief Justice John Roberts, this court is not calling balls and strikes, just the Constitution out on strikes. Excellent, Jerry. And, and we should remind our listeners uh, and those who watch Judge Jerry would know this, that <clears throat> Jerry is an attorney from a damn good law school, trained at a damn good law school, uh, Northwestern. And uh, it, it's, it, yeah, it's just uh, helpful to us that you know this stuff and know it so well. So that was a good one. We appreciate it. It's always that. a good break. I, lo- I love when you talk the law side of any, anything. It's always, yeah. it's always interesting. And I feel like it's, it's one of my favorite topics that you get into on this show. And when you can get into like the chief justices and the whys behind things, I think it's so valuable. So thank you, Jerry. Well, thank you. I hope they're not listening. <laughs> David's going to edit that out, honey. Don't worry. <laughs> some, 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 somebody get Jerry in here to give his opinion. <laughs> Peggy Malazzo's is exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, by the way, uh, She's Facebook is a part of our listenership and in some cases viewership because we do this show. It's It's a podcast, so it's largely recorded for audio put into an archive you can you can access a show you'll be able to hear this show uh those of you hearing this show we recorded it a couple days before that's kind of how our rhythm works but there is the option of watching including live in real time the production of this meaning those people who go to facebook and particularly facebook live while it's happening they see four or five boxes on their Facebook feed and there we are. And that's all through a a calling system that we're using a video calling system. Now we've gotten some feedback from some Facebook watchers. And by the way, you can also not, if you don't care to, or your life doesn't allow you to watch when it's happening. If you are a Facebook subscriber of ours, then you get this in your newsfeed and you can and you watch can it at your leisure. And we have every people who, eye roll. If you can't hear it through your monitor, you can see every eye roll that I make at these two gentlemen. You can <laughs> see the confusion on oh, Gene's face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, now we've gotten some feedback that some people really do want to watch it as it's about to happen. And, uh, is one of our listeners, I was actually, I'll specify him because he's a friend of ours, Harold Tucker from hey, Lovell, Kentucky, <clears throat> said, uh, hey, to David, can you uh, give me a tip when you're about to go live? And the problem wasn't it, Dave, talking to David Prusser, our technical producer, that 
that it would pop up on his feed on his as he is watching Facebook Live, maybe, I don't know, 10 seconds late, 20 seconds late. So he misses the actual opening. So David did a little research and discovered some things that you Facebook uh, watchers and listeners can do. And we just want to take one second with this to uh, help refer you to where you can make sure you're getting the notifications in a timely manner. And David, do you have a couple of those tips? Yeah, so all the people that are watching now probably follow our Facebook page, but if you want an alert that tells you that we've gone live, there's a bell on the bottom of your screen. And if you click that bell, then whenever we go live, it will instantaneously go onto your newsfeed and alert you that we are live. All right. So you can come watch us right away. Perfect, David. Thank you. So we, Thanks, we, David. we, we love our uh, Facebook uh, viewers and listeners and uh, hope you all will do that. Yeah, my um, wife, my wife, Mickey would like to know, would like to have that bell so she knows when I'm alive. Yeah, when you're <laughs> yeah. just period alive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> if you could just ring the bell to let her know. <laughs> oh. hey, poor uh, Mickey. Poor, yeah, poor Mickey. I know. God. Why do I? Why do I do that? It's not. I, I get. <laughs> I got tied into uh, a few years back before COVID, uh, a, a, a prison. Situation where I became a volunteer. I better clean that up real fast. Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say, wow. <laughs> no, I didn't serve. No, I. I uh, uh, thank you for your service. Yeah. It's long story, which I'm not going to tell. But anyway, I, I gave a talk at a prison down in Kentucky, about an hour and ten minutes from where I live, or so. And <clears throat> the inmates, when I gave this talk, said, "Hey, would you be willing to come back and teach something?" And I said, "Well, like what?" And you know, it was a half of a side of a gym full of guys. So it wasn't particularly intimate exploration of that, but a few ideas popped up. Long story short, I started teaching there. Then COVID came and I did it for, I don't know, a year or so. And then COVID hit and I haven't been back and there've been no volunteers. I just talked to the staff that I work with to do that just the other day. And no, there still are no volunteers, all because of COVID, the threat to everybody, the inmates, yeah. Because I understand that's a real closed environment. And man, that gets in there. And, and a number of inmates died in the last year and a half, two years because of COVID. And a number of guards died. So it's a sad story. Nonetheless, through my interaction with this prison culture, a person that I know sent me a book that you know legally sent to him within the prison rules of uh shall we call it an anthology of poetry that this guy wrote and uh it made me think so i have it and i read these poems and i thought and, and i taught a poetry writing class so this is not the first time i've seen poems and here this is my point think about this a prisoner doing really hard time for, and I make no excuses for these dudes. It's, I work in a guy's prison. They're also women's prison. They did nasty ass stuff. Right. And I didn't go around the circle and say, what'd you do? What'd you do? What'd you do? And I also stopped looking people up. I maybe looked up a guy or two in the beginning. I thought, whoa, 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 don't do this. If you do this, then you might look at these guys differently if you really know what they did. But I know in a general sense, these are 
men who've done horrible things. I make no excuses for that. But I will quickly add, and I've said this before on this podcast, they're paying their dues. So it's not like they got over on us. They did not. They are paying hard dues for what they did. So all the justice is in balance. They did their nasty stuff. Now they're paying for it. But they're still freaking human beings. Give me a break. Now, the unique thing about poetry is this. Ponder this. If you're in prison for like 20 years or longer or for the rest of your life or for even shorter, but years, you have a unique perspective of anything that you talk about or better yet, write about. You have a unique perspective. And so I started to think when I was reading some of these poems, I wonder if for the common good, whether it's for the love of the written word, whether it's for humanness, uh, whether it's for redemption, whether it's for helping somebody develop skills that when they get out, they got something to do, that there shouldn't be a way to get this poetry, in this case, it's poetry, it could be a play, it could be a short story, in this case, it's poetry, out there. Mm-hmm. And I tried to make contact with the, uh, there is a National Poetry Foundation, and I haven't yet made the proper contact to see if there's anything there. I started to think, uh, Megan and Jerry and David, about Maybe it's an add-on podcast. Uh, well, it's like one idea, not to yeah. dig deep into this, but one idea would be the poetry comes to me because if I'm not a volunteer in the prison, then in that prison, and there are prisons all over the country, they can have pen pals. Sure. And I, uh, I, I think they have a pen pal. So they could send me a poem knowing <clears throat> what I'm going to do with it. I then could read it on a podcast that would be for this purpose. And then, and this is the kicker, this is the part that would make it good. They would call me from the cell block phone. I happen to know they exist. They have rights to use them. The call time is limited. The payment for the calls has to all be worked out, but it is does get worked out. And then we get to talk to the poet. That might be pretty interesting Yeah, mm-hmm. to hear a poem with this unique perspective and then talk to that poet. Mm-hmm. So that's one construct. Now I'm going to give you one sample. I, I have two poems. They're real short. So this is not going to, it's not like I'm going to read an epic poem, but check this out. This is an example of what I mean. But I want you just to think this was written by a man who is in prison for a long time, and he ain't about to get out either. The poem is called September Morning, and it says, I hate that I wake wanting nothing of the day beyond my coffee, and I can't even remember how to miss you. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Can you imagine if you get up in the morning And all you got is a thing, which is a damn cup of coffee, and it's crappy anyway. It's not the kind of stuff Jerry Springer drinks, latte with chocolate and 
<laughs> little sprinkles on the top. Why, and all that man, sprinkles. we're getting angry at Cherry. Jesus. <laughs> no. It's a Jeez, grande please. mocha with extra whip. There you Never go. mind. Jerry deserved whip. that. Go on, Gene. I apologize. <laughs> no, but if you got up and all you have is a cup of coffee from whatever, from the commissary or whatever, you know, yeah. the lunchroom. And then, and then this is the tragic part in that little poem that struck me is that I, I can't even remember how to miss you that isn't like i can't remember you i can't even even remember how, how to miss you you've been separated so far and who knows what that loved one that this man i know it's a man because the guy's prison this came from that's that's a pretty interesting perspective and then yeah. i'll give you one more it's called time time how may and I have to tell you this real fast because the author actually put a note below the poem and he says the word dick is a slang term for an officer of the law, a shortening and alteration of the word detective, right? We've heard that before. <laughs> private dick. dick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. While a cock. And so he's not using it as a uh, a word for a penis. He says a cock <laughs> is a rooster, known known for its obnoxious strutting and incessant incessant crowing. Now, knowing that, because he gives you that in the poem, it says, "How many ticks and how many tocks missed blue shirt dicks and brown shirt." Cox, my mind is fading. It plays me tricks. How many talks and how many ticks? Now, I got to tell you, having taught in a prison for a year or two and walking across the yard every time, because I couldn't go to where I had to teach, where I was teaching without walking the entire length of the yard. It's just coincidental. And all the prisoners in this particular prison, and I got a feeling it's common throughout Kentucky, wear brown uniforms, mm -hmm. khaki, shirts, pants, coats if it's winter, hats, because that's what you look for. Somebody's an escapee, and that's what they say. So it's not stripes. They do that in like Mississippi and some other places, Alabama, but it's a uniform. So he's referring to these guys who are walking around he's just so sick of it yeah just so sick of these well, guys like that, walking that, around just that on amount of way that the uh the tick tock you can hear like the heels clicking like walking yeah, that's that, it you can yeah. just that's hear it. it that's it and uh and you know amidst the blue shirt dicks and brown shirt cocks it's uh again the perspective of inmates in poetry is uh, a unique one, and hardly anybody ever uh, hears their stuff. And if, when my heart breaks for these guys, not for what they did and the justice they're getting, as I said earlier, screw them. They're getting what they deserve. That's just my take on it. Yeah. If you start to think about some of the stuff these guys have done, in prisons across America, except for the ones that are falsely accused, that there have to be some in there, wouldn't you think? But it's like, uh, don't cry for me, Argentina. I mean, they did some nasty stuff, but still, the the 
hell on earth that they are facing is uh, humans. rough. Yep. yep. Rough. So yep. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe we'll uh, do something, um, even if it's just an episode. I have to figure out exactly how to do it. There's yeah. so many rules yeah. uh, that one must go through to make sure you do it right, that you don't get somebody in trouble who's in. But I know they make phone calls because I've had phone calls from prisoners as I was getting into this. And before I became a volunteer that would come, I don't know if either you or Megan have ever, Jerry, you or Megan, you've ever had any reason to be in touch with anybody, man or woman in prison, but you'll get a collect call and uh, it will be, it's a recording. It's how it came to me. Uh, do you accept this call? Even if you, and it might even say, and they're paying for it. It's not even, yeah. Will you take the, will you pay for it? It's this call is coming from this blah, blah, blah prison. Call you want this blah, call? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cause you may not want it. You may say, I don't want to want that call. And, but Gene, can if, we have that, uh, when you call, can we get that recording? This call is coming from Gene <laughs> Galvin. If you choose yeah. to refer, yeah. refuse the message. <laughs> yeah, I would just say block just don't me, make it. Yeah, just don't just make get it, it right from Jump Street. Just block me. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> That's interesting, and, and, Gene. That really is. Yeah, so I don't know. Who knows? That's maybe we'll. Stuff. Maybe yeah, we'll, we should. We definitely should. Yeah. Find a way to uh, do something. And by the way, and then we're going to talk, Meg is going to bring in uh, Tim Eastman from Nashville. But there is a podcast I'm a great proponent of. It's related to this uh, called Ear Hustle. It's a slang term, which means eavesdropping, ear hustle. It's a prison slang term. And it's out of San Quentin. And it is incredible listening. Mm-hmm. I've listened to that a few times. It is, it is fantastic. Really? I mean, they're good storytellers and yep. they've got two hosts. It's a volunteer like me. It's a woman who goes in. She's an artist who's been volunteering. And so she has her street cred within the walls because she's a seasoned volunteer. And then she uh, works with a guy who at the time was a prisoner and inmate. Now he's out. And guess what? He, he got his term. His sentence was commuted by Jerry Brown in his last week as governor, and he got out because of the work he did on Ear Hustle. Wow. That's how he got out. Wow. He got they got the attention. Their good work in that podcast got the attention of Jerry Brown's staff. They took it to Jerry Brown. The guy spent a lot of time in prison. Again, you didn't get over on anybody, but he had. He had developed a wherewithal so he didn't fall into the recidivism phenomenon, right. which is huge. Yeah. Yep. And uh, man, to our listeners, you want to hear another good podcast, go to Ear Hustle, sample yeah, it, for and sure. you just may like it. And it's all stories of inmates telling their own stories. Again, if we did something with this, it would be similar. You'd be hearing from men and women in a conversation over the phone that would be about, let's say, September morning or time, one of these poems. Right. You know, who were you thinking of when you wrote that? Uh, There's some questions that would be interesting to probe. Yep, for sure. Anyway, let's see what happens. But yeah, I second that for sure. Check out Ear Hustle. And then again, as as Gene said, we have uh, with us Tim Easton. Welcome back, Tim. It's great to see you. Hey, friends. How you guys doing? Good. 
Um, so you're down in Nashville right now. Last time we uh, heard from you, mm-hmm. peace of mind. Tonight we have speed limits. Why don't you tell us what yeah. the inspiration was on this and tell us a little bit, bit about what we're going to hear. Well, it, uh, it came out of a, a haiku I wrote when I was in the slammer. There you go. See? Pulling it in. Pulling that together. I was trying to That's excellent because that first poem. That first poem, I think, Gene, was I'm a haiku. I'm totally fascinated with your idea, and I would love to participate in it. I just this week sent off six poems to Spalding University near you guys in Louisville um, to apply for grad school. Like decades after I finished Ohio State, I'm like, I'm going to go get a Master of Fine Arts in Writing. And I have gone into institutions and stuff and talked about various things. And I love teaching writing and I love poetry. So to me, what you were doing, if I could just say, it sounded a little bit more like a book and or a like an hour long special on, you know, like this American Life type right. of vibe where it was like, oh, this is a, a special. That way you could record the, the conversations from the uh, from the prisoners. But, yeah, there's a lot of red tape. You have to jump over there. But I am so fascinated in getting people to write poetry and write their truths through poetry i think that it's super cathartic and yeah we know that the you know men and women have, have done harsh things out there and i i've uh, i've talked to them you know um i'm not shy about that stuff so speed limit man speed limit it just came out of it's one of those eavesdrop things right this song came out of someone just said my friend her name is tree right full full-on hippie um, well, her parents were hippies. <laughs> and um, yeah, her, her name was Tree Butcher. <laughs> she, she, was, she was Tree, and then she married my friend Matthew Butcher. So now she's Tree Butcher. And that's her name. That's fantastic. She said, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's her real name. Um, she said, my speed limit is 24 hours anymore, and I go out of my mind. So it came out of the you know pandemic lockdown situation. Um, and I can, I can see that a, a convict or somebody that was doing serious time your speed limit is 24 hours because you really just got this one day. You have no, you know, really crystal ball and what's going to happen. Uh, you can't change the past. And um, it starts from that point of view. Um, again, it's, it's on the new record. And uh, you can listen to this record on any of your uh, any of your devices. You can speak into your Siri or your Alexa machine and say, <laughs> Alexa. <laughs> play tim easton speed limit and it will do it will start doing and i think our television room and my television in the living room just picked that up so i think mine did too yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's being played all over the james Turner podcast let me say this to your speed limit open up the bank account and buy all of tim (laughs) 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 alexa buy all of tim easton's albums fedex All right, so here we have this evening, Tim Easton and Speed Limit. Speed Limit is 24 hours anymore and I go out of my mind. I can't worry about tomorrow, yesterday is just a waste of time. Destination is a big dead end, I'm moving when I'm standing still. I'm not trying to find myself, I don't need any more time to kill. Delusion only gives a few clues until you're living on the run from life. When the pain of staying the same, all the ways the strain of making change. Stuck in a 
Back in the middle of a losing game I was just about to hang my hat Just because I got out of the rain Doesn't mean I won't still get wet Mama told me not to get stuck on a hill Daddy said you got to be your own boss Thirsty man drinks his fill The same after both the wins and losses Every time I go with my head I just step all over my heart When the pain of staying the same listening to Tim Easton. Tim, give us the name of that album again, sir. The name of the album is You Don't Really Know Me. And uh, that was filmed in my garage here in Nashville. That's fantastic. (laughs) Well, make sure you check Tim Easton out at timeaston.com. Give him some love on all forms of social media. Check him out on uh, Patreon as well. And while you're doing all of that, swing by and say hi to us on our social media pages. Um, You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the whole nine yards. Uh, Shoot us a message. Tell us what you think. Just say hi and Gene will respond to you because he waits all day for someone to email him. That's all he's, he does. He's, he's a lonely, he's a lonely man. <laughs> so help Gene out and send him some love. Uh, but we're going to have Tim and Jerry take us out tonight on down by the riverside. Tim, it was great to have you back and I hope to Thank see you, you again Tim. soon, my friends. Great job. as always. Thanks so much. The real river. Don't Easton from Nashville, Tennessee. You can hear his music at timeaston.com. As outstanding. That's great. Take us out on down by the riverside, oh, yeah. and Jerry Springer would be honored if he does a good job. I'm going to give him the key to Cincinnati. He's yeah. going to he's going to sing the second verse. That will cause a revolution. <laughs> There it is, Jerry. There's, yeah, oh. That's just waiting for you. This you one's for this that. This, yeah. This one's the for the key. Eye on the and I apologize <laughs> for the size of it, but we're just Cincinnati. We're we don't not, have to worry about the size, not David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Down by the riverside. Timmy and Jerry Springer. I'm going to lay down my heavy load. Down by the riverside. Down by the riverside. Down by the riverside. I'm going to lay down. 
You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. Side.